Are you ready to take your real estate investing business to the next level? Well, you're in the right place. This is the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. With your mentors, Wayne and Gabby. Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Today is Tuesday, January 24th, 2023. The weather today will be a high of 3 degrees in Edmonton, minus 9 degrees in Saskatoon, and 2 degrees in Toronto. One more week until Wayne's birthday. <laughs> Thank you, Evie. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. We're broadcasting live as we do every morning, Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. Mountain Time on the Podbean app. Come join us live. Get your questions answered. It's free coaching every morning. All you got to do is just join in live. I couldn't help but notice that uh, Eric was not the first person here this morning on the live show. You mean John? John. John and Eric are normally the first. Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Who was? Uh, Matt. Portian. Nice. Well, we had a a little glitch glitch trying to start the show yeah there's something up this morning i gotta figure it out though yeah so you threw them off their game uh yeah <laughs> uh i i want to talk about uh the top fan of the month because um oh it's coming up it's coming up here um next week so every month what we do is uh well every month whenever you join in live to the show um you get rewarded for engaging with the show for being here mm-hmm. um there's a little heart button on the app you click the heart and uh, it accumulates hearts um when you go to share the share button you know it allows you to share to facebook twitter and linkedin um and you get you get hearts for that you get hearts when you call in uh, lots of different ways to get hearts but um what we can see every day is whoever you know was the the whoever had the most hearts that day and whoever has the most hearts for the month. So at the end of the month, what we do on the last day is we see who had the most hearts. And, uh, and on the first of the month, the following month, we do a little draw um, uh, for a really cool price. So how we do it is, is that first place gets, uh, whoever has the most hearts uh, gets five ballots. Second place gets four ballots. Third place gets three ballots. Fourth place gets two ballots. Fifth place gets one ballot. Put all those names into a, a cup. We pull the name out and the winner gets two free coaching calls with Wayne. So that's uh, two one hour calls um, that you get to work, do strategy, work on, you know, any roadblocks that you're having in your real estate investing. Wayne's a really great problem solver. Ask anybody who's been on a call with him. <laughs> So, yeah, you get to spend those two hours with Wayne the following month um, working through whatever you want, getting free coaching. Mm-hmm. So uh, there are rewards, awards, rewards, rewards um, for joining in live. And not to mention, obviously, what we mentioned earlier, you know, you get this. This is a free platform to ask your questions about real estate investing, anything mm-hmm. you want. Yeah. And you get your answers for free. Um, so. Um, there's definitely tons of perks and rewards for joining in live. So um, hopefully this year, this can be the year that you start waking up a little bit earlier, start developing a new routine. Um, 
<laughs> okay. Uh, what? Oh, no, sorry. I was just reading. I was reading the comments here. Um, John is saying he's, he, he literally called Liam. Um, he's like, why isn't the show on? <laughs> <laughs> we were only two minutes late. But yeah, for some reason, I started the show this morning and nobody was here. And I'm like, this ain't right. Did I get canceled? <laughs> what did I do? What did I say yesterday? Um, can't, can't, can't say it for certain, but, but we, we got her figured out. Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, who do we have joining us? Uh, oh, hang on a second. Hanging on. Um, this is, this is the, I've heard this a few times now that when you share the show, yeah. the app freezes. Yeah, it does. Okay. I will, uh, have my it's, people contact their people. Like, it's not a huge deal. You just close out and hit it and it's like, do you want to rejoin? And it's like, yes. And you're back in the show. So it's not like a huge, oh, but, okay. but something's going on. It's been about a week or so that it's been happening. So it, it wasn't like that before. No. Yeah. It's one of the downsides to doing live show. Um, we could have much like our system here, like our our interface and our microphones and everything. I mean, we could have a really good quality show, but the fact that it's live, unfortunately, we don't get all of the benefits of, you know, a recorded show. Um, we can't I mean, we can edit things, but like we can't edit the audio too, too much. It's it is what it is because we're going through a live platform. But I find and I feel and what I've heard is that. Um, the fact that it's live and the fact that you get your questions answered outweighs the, you know, the, the lack of, of the quality. Yeah. Well, no, it's not, not terrible quality. I mean, mm. it's decent, um, but it has its limitations. But uh, so I apologize for that. Um, hopefully it doesn't interfere. Uh, the whole sharing thing doesn't interfere with your experience too, too much. Um, who do we have here this morning joining us on the live show? We have lots of fine folks saying good morning this morning. Okay. We have Eric and JD and Courtney. Good morning, Ken and Don. <clears throat> we have Matt and Varsh, Kathleen. Good morning, Listina, Elray, Crispy. Did I see Gabe in here? Yes. We have Johnny Five and Denis. We got Scotty and Tyson and Gabe. Um, who else is here? Good morning, Brandy and Tammy, Nat, Chaston. Good morning, Kyle and Paul and Joshua. Hello there. <laughs> Good morning, Sheila. Good morning, Tynan. Yeah, we've got lots of people. Carlos, awesome. Leo. I'm not even at the bottom yet. Nathan. Good morning, Tyson. I hope you guys aren't expecting anything today. <laughs> Like anything at all. And that's a wrap. Have a great day, you guys. <laughs> Thanks for showing up. Good morning, Joshua. Um, guys, while uh, while Gabby's reading off your names here and giving you all the, you know, the warm fuzzies for getting your, your name heard, um, in the comments, let's let's hear what you got. Let's hear, what you, uh, let's hear what you're working on today. Let's hear what you're trying to accomplish. Let's hear what questions you have. Um, this whole real estate investing thing, it's not that complicated. It's not. You just you just all you got to do is say what you want and ask for help. That's it. That is all. Say what you want and ask for help. And we can spend the next 45, 50 minutes working through it with you. It's that simple. 
I mean, there's a lot of people that are pushing really hard to win a coaching call. This is all we're going to work on. So you can, you don't have to wait until you win. You can just selfishly take up this hour today. Yeah. And if you're, and I've, I've had a few people say that, that well, I don't want to, I don't want to take up the whole hour or whatever. <laughs> you got to be, you need to be a little more selfish because um, no one else is going to set aside time for you. No one else is going to, you know, speak up for you. It's, it's, it's your responsibility to take, you know, control of your life and that, and to, and to stand up for yourself every now and then to be a little selfish. So the conversation that we could possibly have with, with someone like that, you know, who has that, who we can work through it with the value that everybody else is going to get from it. It's going to be, it's not just going to be you. Everyone's going to get value from it. So I, I'm really, really, really hoping that someone really steps up today and and says what they want mm-hmm. and says, hey, I'm having trouble figuring out how to do it, right? Yeah. Or maybe there's just one question that they can't seem to get answered that's holding them back from the next step, right? You guys, you all woke up early for a reason, right? I hope, hope there's a reason why you woke up early today. I woke up early to be here with you. Yeah. And and some people just enjoy the show, which is fine too. But for a lot of you, I know that you guys are dedicating and allocating many, many hours every month and every year into building something better for yourself. And if I could be honest, and you could be honest, I don't think you're putting enough energy into it. I don't think you're taking it enough seriously, not taking it seriously enough. So today's the day. Let's do it. Why not? Um, upcoming events. Sure. Give them a little couple minutes. Yeah. And yeah. I actually, I, I've brought a question um, that uh, somebody had asked See, me. And I didn't you have a... Gabby's got the show today. <laughs> I thought I had the answer, but then. Um, I wasn't quite sure, so I'd like to see your input and if anybody else has anything to say oh, about shit. it. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, <laughs> don't make me look stupid. It, I feel like it's an easy question, and that's why I feel like I knew the answer. Okay. Anywho. Uh, February 4th in Calgary, there are a few tickets left uh, for our Calgary REI Masters networking event. Special guest speakers for that event. We got Barry McGuire. We got Matt Legere. We got Jared Como, and we got Dean Manti. Uh, the topic for that networking event is buying off-market properties. So if you want to learn all the ins and outs of buying off-market properties, how it differs from buying on-market properties, the things you need to know about the legal side, the financing side, how to find those deals, um, how to approach a wholesaler, how the wholesaling process works, um, that you want to be there for that. Not to mention the fact that there's like two and a half to three hours allocated for networking. Um, we are trying to build... Um, a new type of networking event where you're not kicked out early. We want you guys to talk. We want you guys to exchange names and business cards and stuff. So um, on top of the really great presentation discussion and Q&A that we're going to have, there's going to be plenty of time for networking so you can meet everybody. Um, so that is February 4th in Calgary. Uh, there is an Eventbrite link created. You can find that in the show notes here in the show. And also on the free Real Estate Investing Masters Facebook page. So go join the page. You'll see the link there. It's pinned at the top. Go register. Like I said, there's a few spots left. I think three left. Um, We also had the exact same event in Edmonton on February 11th. 
Um, same thing. I think there might be one spot left. Um, someone backed out. Uh, so hop on that very quickly as well. That is February 11th in Edmonton. Uh, for that event, we have Barry Maguire, Matt Legere again, uh, and also Keaton Kirkwood and Calvin Hexter. So you got some amazing guest speakers at both events. Um, not going to want to miss either of those. Absolutely. Cuckoo. Very good. Um, do we want to have a quick word from our sponsors? And we'll jump right into questions. Sounds like a plan. See you guys in a sec. Some of you might have heard us talking about DCI Properties and how much we like their process and deal flow as one of the premier wholesaling companies in Canada. But one of the things most people don't know about DCI Properties is that they don't cherry pick deals for themselves. Everything they get under contract, they offer out to their buyers list. That's right. No sloppy seconds from no DCI. No sloppy seconds. <laughs> so if you're an investor looking for their next flip project or cash flowing rental property, get on their buyers list today and check out their inventory. To get on the list for Alberta deals, visit www.dciproperties.ca slash Alberta buyers or for Ontario deals, go to www.dciproperties.ca slash buyers. And we are back. Awesome. Okay. So can I ask my question first? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say that um, before that, Chaston says he's working his way through Barry McGuire's wholesaling course. Ooh, um, nice. So Chaston's part of the REI Master's Mentorship Program, so he gets all of um, Barry McGuire's home study kits for free mm -hmm. um, as part of being a mentee. Um, so it sounds like he's working through the wholesaling course uh, right now, and it's a gutter. That's a really good one. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. What's your question, Darla? Okay. So if somebody has um, a family member who is willing to withdraw RSP funds because they can't, they can't um, invest them, they can't lend to them because they're arm's length, but they want to actually withdraw some RSP funds and then lend them as actual cash um, to this person. Mm -hmm. What's the process of withdrawing the funds? And is the only thing that happens is that you are taxed on them that year? Or is there anything else surrounding that situation? That's it. That's all. That's actually a really great question. Um, yep. Yeah, so obviously, I'll start off by saying that what Gabby mentioned was that if um, a family member or you uh, let's just say a family member has some money in RRSPs and they want to invest with you, they can invest it in the form of a mortgage. They can't invest it and buy a property, but they can invest it and buy a mortgage or sorry, buy in the form of a mortgage. But there are rules for that. And, and one of the big ones is that it needs to be at least arm's length. So no friends, family, wife, husband, um, sorry, no, oh, frick. <laughs> So used to saying friend, yeah. family and friends for something <laughs> else. You can invest with, yeah. Um, okay. Family, immediate close family. Um, so, I mean, there's still lots of opportunities to, to use RRSP funds. Just don't use, you know, close family. You know, if you got friends, coworkers, um, you know, and, and you want to get a bit of a cheaper mortgage than, you know, what your private lender is offering. Uh, it's a great opportunity. And then they get a great um, safe, secure investment, uh, that provides, uh, um, a guaranteed return, right? 
Um, and there's, you know, the big collateral, the property, just like a bank, you know what I mean? There's, they have, you know, good collateral. Um, so it's a nice, safe, secure, um, investment. Um, but what Gabby was saying here is that, uh, you know, say your family does, uh, what if they decided to cash out their RRSPs? So not lend it to you in the form of a mortgage and keeping it in the RRSP account. Uh, account. In this scenario, they would cash it out. They would take it out of the RRSP account. Now, what that does is it triggers, um, um, you get taxed on that, that year, during that calendar year. Um, now, when you put money into RRSPs, uh, you... Shelter it. You you document that when you're doing your taxes that year, saying that, hey, I put $100,000 in my RRSPs. Therefore, what they do is they deduct that from your personal income tax, meaning that you don't get taxed on it. It gets So if you made $130,000 and you put $100,000 into your RRSPs that year, it means you're only taxed on $30,000. Okay? And like Gabby said, it kind of shelters it. It defers it to a later date and you can pay yourself out um, strategically, strategically, you know, perhaps when you're older and you're in a lower tax bracket. Okay. So it's a, it's a strategic tax deferral strategy. Now, if the following year you decide to take it out of your RSP account and then invest it, then just know that if you made $130,000 that year and you pulled out $100,000 out of your RRSPs, you're going to have $230,000 on your personal income tax line, meaning it's going to be a pretty big tax bill. Um, there are taxes owed to the government for that $100,000. Um, and it's going to work out to be whatever tax bracket you're in. So say 40% tax bracket, you're going to be you're going to have an additional $40,000 worth of taxes that year, approximately. Um, now, I mean, if you're sitting there thinking, like, ah, oh, that's not fair. Well, we, we get we get taxed on, we're all, everything is, we're taxed on everything. And it was income that you made. It was income that you made. <laughs> so like, you're going to get taxed on it eventually, whether yeah. it be today or, you know, when you're 60 and you only pay 20% tax. Just keep in mind that like, you know, the difference is like, uh, you know, do you want to be taxed now or later? Like you can be taxed now at 40% or you get taxed at, when you're 60 or 70 at, at 20 or 25%. It's... You're saving, you're saving a bit of money, but in my opinion, like the m- amount of money you would make in the, the if you're 30 years old now and, and you have 30 years to invest that $100,000, you're going to make significantly more in profits on that money than the $15,000 in savings that you're going to get just from like deferring it to a later date. Does that make sense? So uh, Don has a comment here, and this um, is also a comment that came up in the conversation that I had. Um, so Dawn said that when she, uh, took out some of her RSPs that they actually held back a portion for taxes so that, um, so what that means is that you don't end up with the total amount. So they hold it so Mm. that you actually have the money to pay the tax hit, um, at the end of the year when it's tax time. But what that means is that let's, let's say you're taking out $50,000 and you're at a 30% tax bracket. That means that they're holding fifteen thousand dollars of the fifty, so you're actually only having access to thirty-five thousand. Right. Um, which 
same same either you pay either hopefully you're able to find the money to pay it at the end of the year or you or they're holding it for you so it makes no difference and it's very smart just like you know when you have a job they hold back a you know portion um so that you don't have this huge hit and you don't need to pay a big bill at the end of the year which you can't afford because you've spent all your money right so um and that was what i had heard in this conversation as well and that i wasn't aware of also if your tax bracket, so they'll hold back whatever your current tax bracket is at now. But if it if your tax bracket changes, either goes um, up because mm -hmm. you've added now that money to your income, or if it goes down because whatever you've lost your job or you just don't make that much money that year, um, then they will give you the difference or you'll owe the difference depending if you've gone up or down in tax brackets. Yeah. Um, so something to keep in mind there. But otherwise, nothing else is going to happen other than that. Um, and so there's no, there's no like penalty. There's no fee. There's no, there's um, not that I am aware of, unless something's changed. Um, Maybe John can uh, comment on that since she's done it recently. No, it it, it isn't. There's not that I, not that I'm aware of. Yeah. Um, now, back to you know, can you at that point then lend it to your uh, family and friends or family? Yes. There's, there's no more restrictions. The restrictions are to prevent people from lending mortgages to family. That's, that's what the restrictions are. Like you cannot lend an RSP mortgage to a family member. Um, because what ends up happening is, you know, <clears throat> people would find a way to screw it up for everybody else. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, you're sheltering your money and then you give yourself a mortgage of 1%. So basically you're just like, you're hiding all of your, um, you know, your taxes, paying your taxes until a later date when you pay less. And in the meantime, you know, you're basically giving yourself like a 0% mortgage yeah. and buying tons of properties. So that's, that's, that's kind of the thought process on that. Um, so they want to make sure that you're lending it to um, at least arm's length. Okay. Um, all right. So we've got a bunch of questions here. And I think today's going to be one of those days that we go through a bit of a cornucopia uh, and, and mishmash mishmash of uh of topics i'm gonna try and do my best okay i'm just gonna stay at the bottom of the comments here and yes, i'll let please. you tackle the questions uh someone had asked about furnished rentals uh are furnished rentals actually advantageous uh yes no uh it depends like furnished long-term like long-term rentals or like short-term furnished i don't know are furnished Rent rentals actually advantageous Okay, so I I would interpret that asking long term furnished rentals. So furnishing your property um, and advertising for a one year lease as a furnished rental. I would think that that would be what the question would be. Right. Um, I I feel like these used to be more popular um, several years ago than they are today, and I think that is in part due to. Um, it used to be really good for businesses who had a lot of like corporate people in and out of cities mm -hmm. and they would put people up. They, so a company would say, hey, I'm going to rent your your property. We're, you're always going to be paid on time. We take care of any damages, anything that happens. Um, it's always uh, cleaned when we have, you know, our workers switch out and stuff. Yeah. So, you know, we're going to take really good care of your property. And then when they have people flying in and out uh, for their business, they put them up at your property. And this, um, this, I feel has kind of 
dwindled away as the landscape of our world has changed throughout COVID and stuff where people just work from home. There's not as much travel, biz- like business travel. True. There's not as much people coming in and out, um, you know, to do business when you now we're just meeting on Zoom yeah, and those types of things. So I feel like, um, you know, back when I worked in the hotel industry, I would hear about these a lot. People would be, businesses would be looking for long-term furnished rentals. But um I haven't heard much about it in recent years. So I, it's hard to say. I think that you would really need an in or need to really, you know, know fully that you're going to be, um, that you that you have a, an in with some businesses who would yeah. utilize that. Yeah. And there would have to be, there would have to be a trade-off. Uh, there would have to be a significantly higher rent uh, in order to make it worth it. I mean, the cost of furnishing and the, the replacement and, you know, and repairs of the, you know, it's, it's not just, it's not just the cost of, of furnishing it, but also the high turnover. And yeah, I've had these discussions with a lot of people recently, like, yeah, but they'll stay for like six months. Yeah. I'd rather someone stay for five years. Yeah. But the furniture isn't coming in and out. It's just them and their suitcase. No, I'm aware of that, but the vacancies. Yes. Yeah. If, if you add yeah. one vacancy every year for the next 20 years, yeah. what is that? And, and a $2,000 rent. It's $24,000. Yeah. No, what did I say? No, uh, it'd be $40,000. Sorry. Wow. $40,000 over the next 20 years. It's a lot of money. I'd much rather someone stay for a long period of time. And that's it's, it's a hidden expense that nobody ever talks about. It's vacancies. Vacancies, repairs, and maintenance. Um. So I, I, I think long-term rent, I, I'm, the medium-term rental thing, I, I don't really, I haven't quite figured it out yet. I, I, have, I'm not, I don't really have a true opinion on it yet. There needs to be, an ex, there need, see, with short-term rentals, weekends, weeks, um, days, nights, that kind of thing, um, the rental rate is ridiculously high for like daily rate. Yeah. And if you look at it, like if you multiply it by 30 days at the end of the month, it's, it's a lot of cases, it's significantly higher than what you charge for um, your normal monthly rental rate. See, that's worth it for the extra cost and the extra turnover and stuff like that. Midterm rentals or medium term rentals, I, I haven't quite seen the value yet. Um, I think what most people do is they, they kind of see the, the gimmicks on the YouTube videos about like how it's got high class, you know, uh, quality tenants, you know, uh, nurses, doctors, um, CEOs and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to quote unquote trash your place, but, but the turnover is really high. Um, and I think you got to pick one in my opinion. And, and I'd love to be proven wrong. I'd love to hear something else. And someone please, um, let me know, but it's either long-term or short-term. I don't think that there's anything in between. I haven't seen a value for, for medium term yet. But in this case, this would be um, long term. So, like, if if you were renting to someone for five years with furnishings, yeah, or one year, like this, it's the same thing as a as a just but owning a rental and as a un- vacancy. I know, but it's the same as having an unfurnished rental. Mm-hmm. You're renting it for a year, and you're probably facing a vacancy. It's, but you have a guaranteed vacancy after one year. With a with a long term rental. I don't believe that's true. I no, think that a lot with of with a furnished rental. With a furnished rental, yeah. yeah. I I don't believe that's true. I think lots of corporations rent them out for like 5 years. 
at a time. If, if you had some sort of like, yeah. if you had a really good agreement yes. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so Laurie here says that it's common in Fort McMurray. And yes. Annette says that that's exactly what their condo is in Fort Mac. It's furnished and a company rents it for their employees. And I think, think that, that that makes sense in Fort McMurray. Yeah. There's, um, that's the industry. You're, there's always going to be people flying in and out and being hands on. Okay. So if we're talking like, you know, having, you have a long-term agreement with, yeah. a, with a company. Yes. Yeah, for sure. If you're in the, you know, uh, uh, a tree lined mature neighborhood in Calgary and there's no, there's nothing around there <clears throat> and you have a $2,000 rental, but you throw a bunch of, sorry, pardon me. Sorry about that. Um, if you throw, you know, a bunch of furniture in it and think that you're going to rent it out for 2800 which you see that a lot, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, and I see I see landlords getting torn to shreds. Yeah. Oh, my God. I can't believe you're charging $2,800 for that shithole. Yeah. And, and, and people don't take it seriously. Yeah. Um, so you try to charge an extra seven or 800 bucks a month because it's got furniture in it. And it just doesn't work. Um and no one stays long enough because I mean, it's, it's, it's not a long-term rental. It's a medium-term rental. So yeah. you would have to have something again. And, and I, I love being proven wrong. Uh, you'd have to have some sort of an agreement with a company for a very long period of time. Yes, I would. And absolutely. I was talking specifically about being able to rent it to companies like that. Like I mentioned initially, I would not, I would highly advise against just furnishing it and expecting to just find a tenant who's looking for a furnished rental. I don't think that that's a solid plan. So it could be advantageous. Yeah. Um, Gab, could you please describe a typical day in the life of a full-time real estate investor? Uh, Chastin, Leo says that Chastin brought this up recently. How much networking hours in a day? How much of this networking is dedicated towards financial partnering? Okay, two questions. Gab, what's a typical day in the life of a full-time real estate investor? <laughs> well, I wake up at 5 a.m. <laughs> Spend half an hour with my dogs. Hang on, hang on. Let's 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 do it like we're on Instagram. I wake up at six a.m. every day. I do a cold shower. I meditate. I no. write all my thoughts down in my journal. No bullcrap. Um, I don't do that. My children uh, peacefully wake up at seven thirty and say, "Yay, I'm ready for school." Um, I drop my kids off at school. I sit down. I drink my coffee. And I write down everything I'm going to work on today. Then I have breakfast. I work out. Where's that red button? And the crap button. <laughs> the bullshit button. Yeah. Uh, and then I I have meetings all day and then I talk with my joint venture partners. I send out reports and I scroll MLS looking for new deals. Sorry, that was just the Instagram version. That sounds so stupid. I know. <laughs> no. Where's where's the nap in the middle of the afternoon? Yeah, where's my cat nap? <laughs> I think I have a medical condition. Honestly, I get so tired. <laughs> Um, you mind if I, I tackle this, Ashley? Absolutely. The whole purpose of buying real estate is not to be a fucking landlord real estate investor. It's, 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 to, it's to spend the day doing what you want to do. So if you are a good, successful real estate investor, you're doing the things you want to do. You're riding your fucking motorcycle, Leo. Or you're in a place where you can ride your motorcycle during the winter. That's that's honestly it. So, um, you know, for some people, when they make the transition for 
from being an employee to a full-time real estate investor. Maybe, maybe they're not at the point yet where they have enough money that they can just, you know, ride on their motorcycle um, all day and, and, and take cat naps and, 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 you know, whatever, whatever it is you want to do, play hockey um, with the old timers. Um, maybe you, you need to actively work and make active income. And, and we're kind of at like a hybrid right now. Like we still, we still have management and we still do deals and we still do other stuff. Plus we coach people, which takes up a good chunk of my day. But I, but that's what I love doing. I like that. I like helping people. Um, so, so if you're in a bit of a transitionary period where you still need to, you know, work, then yeah, I'd say, um, a successful, productive real estate investor has goals for the year or goals for the month that they've broken down and that they've reverse engineered. And then they just knock off those tasks day by day. And that might include networking and that might include, you know, necessary meetings as they come up that might include checking in with your contractors or your property manager might include, you know, doing bookkeeping and stuff like that. If you don't have a bookkeeper, I think a good CEO of a real estate, like a good real estate investor, a good CEO is just checking in with, with the team. And then the rest of the day, they just, you, they leave it open for creativity. That's what I do. Right. That's, I think I, I think I'm a very good example of, um, yeah, but you tend to, to, to land like more on the, on the task side, right? Yeah. And I was going to say that, um, you know, like for instance, for me, like I do, sometimes it's really busy and sometimes it's not as busy. Um, when it is busy, there's, you know, lots of tasks, like when we have a project going on or that type of thing, there is lots of management to do. But to me, what being a full-time real estate investor means to me is that, um, you know, sometimes there will be stuff to do, but it gives me the freedom to, um, okay, so spoiler alert, I don't love real estate investing, like at all. It is not a passion of mine. I don't enjoy looking at deals. I don't enjoy, there's few, there's few things about real estate that I enjoy. I do like flipping houses, but a lot of the process of it is a total headache. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I like the transformation, but for the most part, I do not enjoy real estate investing. But what real full-time real estate investing provides for me is the opportunity and freedom to pursue what I am passionate about. So I worked my effing tail off the last decade, getting to a point where I have the freedom to pursue passions and to do things that I really enjoy that have nothing to do with a monetary value and everything to do with, with being in love with my life. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of people, when they look at real estate investing and they're in the process of trying to become a full-time real estate investor, they, they naturally, they're like, Oh my God, I want to be a full-time real estate investor. I love looking at deals. This seems so much fun uh, until you do it every day, you know? I'm sure you thought the same way about animals when you were becoming a veterinarian. But then like you're literally sitting in an office every day. It was like, arr, 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 arr. like, yeah, I get a fucking headache every day. If you had to, yeah, sure. You help animals, but like, you know, you're still going to work. You still have to be there. Anything you do becomes mundane once yeah. you're doing it full time. And maybe you love it. I, I see. I love helping people. I don't, I don't love looking for deals because it's, it, kind of gets boring. Um, but I, 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 
what my point is that most people think that they're they're, they're going to love it, and they and I think it's just a comparison thing because they love being a real estate investor more than whatever it is you're doing right now, mm-hmm. right? And then you kind of get there, and you're like, um, at some point you're going to feel the same way that you did when once you got your final certification, or you got your red seal, or you got your degree, or you got your you started your own business, you know, for whatever. At some point, you're going to feel unfulfilled and you're going to want something more and you're going to want to build another business and you're going to want to look into something new. And um, so real estate's not kind of like the end of it. T- to answer your question, what's a normal day like? Um, we do the things that we want to do. And then sometimes we do the things we have to do. Um, so we get rid of the things that we have to do. If you're buying a new property, there's there's a long laundry list of dumb things that need to be done. Mm-hmm. You got to set up utilities, set up insurance. You got to go meet with the lawyer. You got to do up your joint venture agreements or your unanimous shareholders agreements. You got to get all that signed. Um, you're, you're dealing back and forth with your partners. You're dealing back and forth with the realtor because something, something happened in the home inspection, yada, yada. It, like there's a lot of like dumb stuff that you got to deal with. And then you finally close on it. And then you get in there. You got to do the work that's necessary. Um to get it ready and then you're, you know, filling vacancies or you're getting your property manager on it, or you're getting your contractor on it and then you get the ball rolling. So like, there's a lot of that daily stuff. Um, I promise you it gets, it gets old very quickly. Um, and remember the whole reason why you got into it was not to do that. The whole reason you got into it was to spend more time with your daughter, was to spend more time, you know, doing the things you love doing. Um, focus on that. Um, becoming a real estate investor is not that difficult. I'm telling you, it's not. If you, if you just, if everyone just did the things that they didn't want to do every day, (laughs) you get there very quickly. It's not that hard. Right? Yeah. Um, half the battle of becoming a real estate investor is, is, is yourself. 100%. Yeah. Um, on that topic, I know that there was a second part to that question, but this uh, kind of, yeah, well, uh, it was, um, how much time is in networking? Yeah. Can, um, can I just, can we do this first and then go back to that? Sure. Um, so there's a question here. Would you do better financially as an active investor or passive investor? Oh, active. Oh, sorry. Okay. Define, define that. Sorry. What do you mean? Like, like as a as an employee as a, having a job and doing investing or and and being oh yeah i guess compared there's... to compared to being a full-time investor or does it mean passive meaning like rental properties and active meaning fix and flips and wholesaling okay yeah, i just want to know the definition of active and passive yeah and what they mean there it could be two completely separate things yeah i i don't know um uh kyle if you want to further break that down as a full-time real estate investor, you have so much more opportunity to make so much more money because you're 100% in it. Okay. So now, he- if the question is passive, meaning like buy and holds. Solely money partner. Solely money partner. Uh, you're limiting yourself to just the money side. You're going to run out of money. It's kind of like the people that say like, oh, I'm going to save up and buy a rental property. Like Once you buy a rental property, that's it. Like you run out of money. Um but if you're an active partner with money, buy the properties that you have the money already and then find joint venture partners and and scale. It's hard to scale as a money partner. There's there's no strategies that you can implement. Yeah. And you're also like you're not owning um, 
properties that are having like equity pay down and appreciation. Yeah, and... As a joint venture partner. Oh, I was thinking, sorry, it said money partner, didn't it? I thought I was thinking money lending. Yeah. Never mind. I You would own 50% of it, but like, yeah. unless your active partner was like recycling the shit out of that money. Yeah. Um, I think being an active partner is like, yeah, way more opportunities, way more opportunities. Not yeah. to say that it's like teach their own, but you know, there's way more opportunities with being an active partner. Yeah. You can implement so many different creative strategies. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, how much time do you spend on networking Gabby as a full-time investor? Uh, uh, pretty much zero unless I'm attending my own event. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So Gabby and I are not actively looking for joint venture partners though. That's was, the difference. Yeah. I was going to say that it's like, where are you on your journey? Do you have a zero network? <laughs> yeah. And you need to build one? Um, when we were still actively looking for partners, I spent a significant amount of time doing it. Absolutely. Significant. I, I met everybody. Um, you could name someone anywhere in Canada, at the very least Alberta, and I can tell you all about them and what they have and what they're looking for. Um, your network is your net worth. So I did tons of networking when I was looking for partners, but when I was networking with those people, like I wasn't, I wasn't looking for them as, as joint venture partners. I only looked within my friends and family circle and coworkers, um, for joint venture partners. Um, and I never had to venture out to partner with other investors, but I know the value of having a strong network and I spent more time networking with other investors to connect, to learn, to, um, to build my professional network than I did with networking with, you know, JV prospects. Yeah. JV prospects are easy. You just, they're, they're, you literally see them every day. All you need to do is just show them what it is you do and they'll come to you. So, um, networking for joint ventures, I I'd say just build better relationships with the people within your inner circles. Um, networking for professional, um, for your, like as a professional, um, you know, meet one new person every week or whatever or 10 whatever you got the time for i know like leo he's leo works out of town and he doesn't have the ability to but you know on your evenings when you're sitting around you know, nothing to do in the middle of nowhere uh, after a long day of studying rocks um sorry that wasn't a joke it's just that's what you do <laughs> um you know there's there's probably four hours in the evening that you can hop on zoom calls you know brew up a an instant uh coffee in a folgers and um, have a conversation with someone at 8 p.m. on a Zoom call. There's there's plenty of opportunity for that to keep networking. Um, there's there's plenty of hours in the evening. It just depends on your priority. Not you, Leo, but everyone in general, your priorities of what you think is most important. Do you want to go and watch that show or do you want to go and network with someone and build your network? Yeah. Right? And I think that um, what a lot of people kind of like when people think of networking, like you said, it's automatically like, oh, I need to find a money partner or whatever. And like Wayne said, remember that that's not your typical place to you don't try to network with strangers to find money. It's in the gray area already. <laughs> yeah, you're already in the gray area. But building your network of other investors and professionals is so important because it allows you the ability to be resourceful. So like I think of all of the um, wholesaling opportunities that we've had because of the network that we have, like mm -hmm. just knowing like, oh, this person does that. They would want this deal. Call them. Done. Yeah. Like for easy wholesaling opportunities, if you know, um, you know, if you build great relationships with mortgage brokers and with um, 
realtors and lawyers and those types of things, then you know who can best assist you in different situations that you're in. When you need a home inspection real quick. When you need a home inspection real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it goes way beyond looking for people who can help you, you know, secure a deal. It's it's about being resourceful and knowing the right people who can help you along your journey when you're in different situations mm -hmm. and being able to connect people like, you know, there's there's opportunities everywhere. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to throw that in that. Yeah. Yeah. And new friendships. And new friendships. Oh, my God. The amount of like besties that is happening right now. <laughs> people who didn't know each other until they entered into the yeah. community is insane. There's a lot of people that are like, oh, I don't know. I just like, I can't really cut those friends out of my life. It's because you the reason why you're having so much trouble cutting those friends out of your life because you haven't met anyone better. Mm -hmm. wait, till you, wait till you start surrounding yourself with better friends and suddenly you start comparing them and you're like, wow, why am I spending my time with these lowlifes, these bums? When I could be, you know, I, I show up into this group over here of friends and they're talking about ideas and they're giving me high fives and they're telling me good job. The other people are, you know. Questioning me. Yeah. Do you really want to do that? What if this happens? What exactly. are you going to do when that happens? Exactly. <laughs> What's better? Um, Cody said something really good in the comments here a little while ago. He says, hard work for the short term will make easy work for the long term. Yes. I think Gabe um, put his question again. Did he? Didn't, yeah, you put it in there earlier, didn't you? No, maybe not. Um, uh, someone asked about a Burr calculator a little while ago. Um, um, okay, let me just let me just let me just make it super simple for you. I, I've had a lot of people reaching out to me recently and um, sorry, Gabe. And I know you reached out to me recently and this isn't uh, talking about you. I'm talking about literally everyone. Um, I get so many people asking me, Hey, do you have a calculator for this? Hey, do you have a, um, do you have an app for this? Do you have a spreadsheet for that? Yeah. And I'm just like, no pen and paper and the calculator on your phone. Um, so please don't take this the wrong way. It's just my frustration is more so with the gimmicks that other institutions are offering, you know, three-step formula, fill out this form and, you know, you'll, you'll have your, you know, your retirement number or fill out this form, you know, to determine, you know, how this property scales, uh, uh lands on the, on the Burr scale. Um, Burr is very simple. Um, what it is, is it's really hard to write out. Okay, so put it in brackets, ARV times 80% in brackets, minus purchase price, renovation costs, holding costs, realtor costs, equals money left in the deal. There's your calculator. And closing costs. Sure. Yeah. I think that a lot of people... It's a very... I just want everyone... I'm yeah. going to repeat it one more time because okay. it's, it's audio. Please do. ARV times 80% in brackets. You have to have it in brackets there. So whatever the 80% of the ARV is, subtract purchase price, renovation costs, holding costs, closing costs, realtor fees. No, forget realtor fees. Shoot. <laughs> yeah, you're not Shoot. selling it. <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't realtor fees. It meant holding costs earlier. Shoot, from the beginning, 80% of ARV minus purchase price. And it could be purchase price or it could be mortgage Don't and down payment. I know. <laughs> Minus renovations. 
minus holding costs minus closing. There's no closing realtor. There'll be there'll be legal fees. Sorry, there'll be legal fees. Yeah, when you refinance, it's not closing costs. It's legal fees. You guys got the gist. (laughs) Equals money left in deal. (laughs) Woo. (laughs) I mean, I. You you get it. You guys get it. But the thing you don't is, need is a, that you don't need a calculator. You don't, and you don't need an Excel spreadsheet. And you do, but what I find is that different people learn different ways, yeah. and different people absorb information different ways. So some people need a a, f- a pretty Excel spreadsheet to plug a number into, and to remind them what it is that they're subtracting I'm while sorry. they're learning. I'm sorry, but that's you may as well just say it's because I'm Sagittarius. <laughs> That okay. I, I'm sorry, okay. Okay. I'm tough love, tough love. Yeah. That's horseshit. Nobody needs to have it in a pretty. I, I threw the word pretty in there. I didn't. Some mean people that. are, are uh, learn um, easier if it's more visual than That's it is. That's what I was trying to. Then uh, you know, yeah. audio. Okay, some people um, are need to process it a little bit longer than other people. I am a very slow learner, but when I figure it out, I master it. Yeah. Okay. You explain something to me right away. I won't understand it for 10 minutes because I want it. Some people need to fully understand it before they can grasp it. Some yeah. people will just hear it and then they'll just kind of make, make the, you know, make it work and then they'll make their way through it. So I can understand that to, to an extent, but saying that you need a calculator is complete fucking horse shit. Just being tough love here. You need to be good at math in order to be successful in, in business. You need to be able to do the math quickly because if you can under if you can figure out how to do it on your, yourself, then you'll understand it. But if you rely on other people's gimmick calculators and spreadsheets and you know apps and stuff like that, I mean, what happens when the app doesn't work? You know what I mean? You need to be able to figure it out doing the math. I'm just being honest. Or when you need to make an offer on the spot because that's the market you're in. I'm, oh my god, I don't have my phone or my battery's dead. <laughs> Yeah, I can't use the app. No, I you got to understand it. And how long does it take to understand? Go spend 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes on it and you understand it. Take go, like literally pull up MLS and pick like five properties and run the numbers five to five times for five different properties. And you'll see that like it's super easy just to get the result that you need. My, Co- I have to save this yeah. because I want to make sure. My tone is not directed towards those two oh, individuals. Yeah. My tone is just the industry in general um, that people are, I'm frustrated because people are being sold into programs, courses, and workshops based off of these gimmicks. They're like, oh, if I join, then I'll get this calculator. Yeah. And it's just a gimmick to, to get you to join. There are a lot of things that you can learn about real estate investing that you can get value from in some of these courses and workshops and stuff like that. But the gimmicks are, are, are just, they're just filler material. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, Cody says, I do it in my head and then I do it in my head when I write the offer, still have a spreadsheet to track the deal. But, and, and that's exactly mm-hmm. like when you, when that question was asked, I was like, oh, well, if you ask Wayne, like he does, you don't even take pen to paper. Like you're, you can do that in your head because of that, because you have experience. But how many notepads yes. will you find in our, you know? Oh yeah, we have boxes? like a box of notepads somewhere of like all of Wayne notes over the past decade, and it's insane. But um, but that's what where you'll get to the point of is exactly what Cody just said. Like, okay, I need to write the offer. I know that I have a deal here. Like this seems like it's a really good price. I need to write my offer. So he'll do. He'll quickly run through it in his head. He'll write the offer. 
And then, you know, once he's back at home or once he has an accepted offer, he, you know, plugs everything into the spreadsheet to keep track of the deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how do you analyze a deal? I mean, if you're analyzing a basic deal, I mean, there's, there's multifamily is going to be different because the, the, the math is just calculated differently. And then, um, you know, you might maybe, so, uh, maybe multifamily because of cap rates and stuff like that. People want to measure it by that, measure the value of a deal by the cap rate. You might want to have a spreadsheet together because there's a lot more things to take into consideration. Like, um, it's just a little more involved than a residential property. But if you're analyzing a deal, I mean, what, what makes it a good deal to you? What's your determining factor of whether it's a good deal or not? Is it based off of cash flow? Is it based off of ROI? Is it based off of, uh, you know, like what, what you have to understand first, what makes it a good deal to you, right? If your goal is to reach a certain amount of cash flow in order to leave your job, then cash flow is more important to you than ROI, right? If that's the case, then I would be looking for the best cash flowing properties, right? But if your goal is to make more money, to build your money up, you know, get more equity, build up your capital so that you can grow faster and scale, then you want ROI. You want you want to get the best return on your investments as opposed to the best cash cash on cash, right? And some deals are better for ROI, and some deals are better for um, for cash on cash. If you need short-term cash, cash flow every month, then, then focus on cash on cash. If you need the best ROI to make that money work as best as possible, but you're not as worried about the cash flow, then focus on the ROI, right? And if that's the case, okay, I need the best ROI, then what you should be doing is, is looking, okay, if I buy this property with this investment, what is my return over the next 10 years? Okay. Take your investment divide it into or divide your return by your investment and that will determine what your ROI is for the 10 years. Very simple. Like what's your mortgage pay down? What's your appreciation? What's your cash flow over the next 10 years? Divide that into your investment. It'll tell you your, your ROI. What is a good ROI for you? Well, it really depends. I mean, what I would do is I would I would analyze different property types in different markets and determine what's the best ROI. I can tell you, like, I know in my market what the best ROI is, like what property types and what areas, right? Now, the, the, the deals with the best ROIs aren't typically the best deals with the cash flow. It's really hard to have both. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless, of course, you want somewhere in the middle where you want decent cash flow because you're worried about or you're concerned about making sure that this business runs really well and it's safe and you have enough liquidity in the events that there's lots of vacancies and repairs and maintenance. But at the same time, you want a decent ROI. Well, figure out what that number is. What ROI is it that you want? What cash on cash do you want? Figure out what that is. And then when you look at a deal, just ask yourself, does it meet that? Right? If you're trying to figure out cash on cash to see what the cash flow is for the year, divide it by the investment. You'll get your cash on cash. If you want to know, you know what the ROI is for the year, Take the mortgage paid on the appreciation, the cash flow, divide it into the investment, right? If you want to know what the cash flow is every month, for those of you guys that are wondering, because you're a little bit newer, take your rent, subtract your expenses every month, your mortgage payments, your property taxes, your insurance, 
your HOA and condo fees, your the money you set aside for reserves for vacancies and repairs and maintenance, the the to- the the sum is your cash flow. Once you've subtracted all of that from your rent every month. It's easy for me to like spit out really quickly because, you know, like I said, I have experience, but you have to get experience. And the only way to get experience is is to is to fill out tons and tons of notepads (laughs) and just like play around with it. Okay, cool. What would happen if I went with a 25 year amortization for this deal? How much extra profit would I get? I would reduce my cash flow quite significantly as opposed to a 30 year amortization. But if I dropped it to 25 years and I paid more into my mortgage, I would save on interest because my grandma told me I should, right? My grandma said that you should pay off your mortgage faster and then you won't pay as much interest. If you reduce it, if you pay biweekly payments and you have it on a 25-year amortization, just think about how much faster you can pay down that mortgage and and you would save $73,000 worth of interest over the 25 years. Okay, grandma. I'm going to run the numbers for a 25-year amortization bi-weekly to see how much interest I would save. But what I'm also going to do is I'm going to compare it to if I had a 30-year amortization where the payments were monthly and how much extra cash flow would I have over the next 25 years. And with that cash flow, if I reinvested that cash flow and bought another property 10 years from now, what would my return be? These are all the different things that I did over the first one to three years. Just like you got you to gotta play around with the numbers. Is it better to go 25 years, have less cash flow? What would the difference be in savings for interest? Right? Calculators, like I said, they'll, they'll give you a short-term fix. They're a band-aid to, this, to, the, to the problem. The solution is getting really good at the math and understanding it, playing around with mortgage calculators, playing around with how to figure out cash on cash, figuring out how to determine what a cap rate is rather than just relying on a spreadsheet, right? Mm-hmm. I don't I don't deal in multifamily every day, so I, I can't do it really quickly. But I, if I spent, give me an hour and I'd figure it out very quickly and I can rip it off, you know? Uh, and, and this isn't this isn't a bragging session or, you know, I'm just I'm just being honest with everyone because I want to see you reach your potential sooner. I don't want you to rely on gimmicks and calculators and stuff like that. You know what I mean? I'm sure your math professors in, in university, you know, if you're sitting there, you know, using the calculator, they they get really pissed off at you because they want you to. What do they always say in math? They want to show the work. Show the work. Show us how you got to it. Don't show us how you used, you know, the function on your your fancy scientific calculator. Show us oh. the work. Mm-hmm. You don't pass for using the functions on the calculator. You pass for showing your work. If you get good at showing your work, you become an expert. You'll become a master. You will not become a professor if you just use gimmick calculators. I don't know why, but that was extremely important. Like, I I wish that you could now repeat that to let it sink in. Because if you are just using these Excel spreadsheets and these calculators and stuff, you will never fully understand what it is that you're doing. Never. Show the work. That's important. It's also not a bad spot to end the show today. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to end it. I want to end this because it's, it's an appropriate time. 
um, considering my tone today. Um, I I don't know how to end. I, I should have just ended it. I know that for a lot of people, hearing it this way is not the way you want to hear it. And I, I learned this when I was, when I was, um, when I was learning about real estate investing and some people, some people resonated with me more than others. Some people rubbed me the wrong way. Through my experience, I found the people that rubbed me the wrong way were typically right. <laughs> Doesn't mean I have to like them, but it was what I needed to hear. And I'm thankful for those experiences and those connections that I made with people who I didn't and grateful for the people that I connected with that, that didn't really, I didn't really appreciate on a personal level, but it wasn't about personal. It was, you know, sometimes you just, you need to hear some things and you know, the nice people who give you high fives and say, hip, hip, hooray, aren't the ones that are going to give it to you. Mm -hmm. So I apologize if I rub people the wrong way some days or altogether. But I want you to know that the stuff that I'm trying to share is 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 the stuff that you need to hear. It's the tough love so that you can, I'm hoping to, to crack the shell to, to get you to, to see what it is that I'm seeing and see what other successful people see so that you can start and stop making dumb excuses and just do the things that need to be done. Um, I had someone tell me very early on in my career that um, I need to get more comfortable with the fact that not everyone's going to like me. And it can really affect people um, as they're growing. And I, I'm very grateful that someone said that to me very early on um, because, I, you know, it's, it's, it's natural to want to be loved. It's natural to want everyone to love you. And it's something that I'm struggling with every day because I want to say what needs to be said. But... I, you know, then I hear and people tell me that, you know, they don't like it. And um, naturally, I just want to be like, oh, well, hang on just a second. I'm real sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry I offended you. I didn't mean it that way. Um, when honestly, I should just, I should stand my ground. Yeah. And, and if people, if it doesn't resonate with people, then, then they're not the people that should be listening. Mm -hmm. They should be getting it from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Some of those people do need to hear it, but they're just too stubborn to hear it. And which is fine too. Um but I've had conversations with Gabby about this recently and um, what she had said to me and um, thank you for saying it was that um, the amount of people that are getting value from it um, outweigh the people that are being offended. Yeah. And if, if I can just help one person today with saying it one certain way and they can take action, then my, then, then the show is worth it. Yeah. Right. hundred percent. So, I don't want anyone to take anything personally and I don't intend for it. How you receive it is entirely, it's, it's you. It's not me. It's you. Again, that some people, they're going to hear that right now and they're going to think that they're going to not going to hear that. Right. Yeah. It's, but no, it's the it's truth. truth. Yeah. It's the truth and take it for, for what it is. If it, if you find value from it, fantastic. If you don't find value from it, please don't take anything personally. It's just my belief in how I feel. And from my, from my research on, on what it takes in order to be successful. Okay. Anyways, uh, today's Tuesday, right? Yeah. We'll um, see some of you tonight. We're going to the... see a bunch of you tonight in Edmonton yeah. at the DCI meet and greet networking event. Uh, for everybody else, uh, we look forward to seeing you tomorrow morning. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Interested in being a guest on the show? Send us an email to info at reimorningshow.com. 